Welcome to the Converge Community Church Podcast, where we provide for you the previous Sunday morning sermon. And now without further ado, may the Holy Spirit minister to your heart as you hear the preaching of God's Word. I'm going to call an audible here. I'm going to do a couple things, and I'm going to call some people out because I need some help. So I, who was sitting in the back? I saw Lou sit in the back. Uh, Todd, I'm going to grab you. There's something I neglected to get in the worship guide today. I'm going to ask you guys to pick them up and pass them out. Uh, they're back there behind Taylor. It's a little sheet of paper like this. Yeah, grab Lou with, yeah. I just want you to pass these out. I said your name three times. <laughs> you see that? Such respect. I love this place. Uh, there's more on the welcome table. Just if you need, so this is a little, this is like a take-home thing. Just put in there. I'll refer to it later on. Uh, but this is related to how we pre- prepare for our Sunday worship gathering. It's something I did some time ago. And I thought, actually I thought it might fit at some point today. Um, I don't know if this got announced. Where's Sandy? Did this get announced? Okay, so Sandy and Jeff Baker host this for us. Gary and Susan years ago did that, but we we're hosting the blood drive on Thursday. We, it's one thing we can do in the community that's pretty easy to do. Um, so if you can give blood, let me just encourage you to do that. Um, best, I mean, we'll put this back out there. Tell us how to sign up. You can sign up online. Uh, I often do that. If I have somebody I like, we race. You don't have to race, but that's kind of fun. You just try to give blood. No, no laughter here. Okay. Um, but it's a great, great way to interact with the community. We love this place being used. And Butch, can you put this back on the welcome table for me? Okay. So that's, that's Thursday, and if you sign up, that'd be awesome. Uh, turn in your Bibles to Matthew 15, and please keep it open as we go through this. I'm going to give just a really brief report from this last trip. A bunch of you asked, said it's good to see you. You might have been lying when you said that, but it is good to be home for me. Um, and I am, I'll just say this, if I misspeak today, I give permission for you to correct me. Just said, you said your name was Bob, it's Jeff. I feel that unclear in my head, because um, I'm still jet lagged, so it's 42 hours. Let me complain, let me whine, for, just, it's whining. It's good to be home. It's all, it's all whining. 42 hours, four flights, uh, you know, yeah. So on both directions, the first leg of the journey is canceled. It's like dominoes. The first one's canceled, and all, you know, it just goes. So, and I might say this later on because out of the heart, this whole. Pa- How many have read the passage today before Sunday school? Okay, talked about what's inside. There's a moment when what was inside of me wasn't very good. I think a word came out that wasn't very good as they canceled my flight and said you can't get home for two days. All the flights are full. And I'm serious. So you got to understand this. I'm probably the least holy person in this room. And everything that I preach is what I need, what we need. And so is this, whatever that was, out of the heart the mouth speaks, the Lord just said, he didn't call me a name, but I felt like a name later. Um, Jeff, you preach this all the time. Why don't you just trust me? I'm serious. It's not like audible voice, but I knew it. I was so tired. I so wanted to get home. And they said to me, they said, I'm number 85 in line. They said, it's two days till you get home. I just want to be home when I'm done. 
And anyway, so I said, okay, Lord, I, just, what's that? I need you every minute, every hour, all the time. There's not a second that goes by. I'm no different than you. So the Lord seriously admonished me right in that moment. I said, okay, I, I will. And I did, all I can tell you is like, I, I think I gave up. I don't know. It's, I think it's surrender. Okay, Lord, I trust you. And if it's two days, I got to figure that's what you want. Anyway, long story short, he got me home just fine. I just had to get up a little earlier, no sleep, just less sleep, more flights, and I got home fine. That's what I wanted, and he did it. He does all the time, all the time. Doesn't necessarily do it the way we want, but I'll tell you this, he is faithful, and he cannot be other than that. It's hard to explain. Everybody's got difficult things that go on. It's not our job to compare our difficult circumstances with somebody else. But here it is. It's to look to him because he has purpose in it. Oop, did I do that? Um, he loves you. And more he wants you to know him. I get distracted by circumstances quickly. Quicker than I can speak. I just do. Something happens, I like, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. We'll get to that in the passage. So thank you for praying. Made it home safe. Um, what am I going to say here? Oh, so this was a particular country. I can't say the country, of course, that some of the work had started years ago. And so I was going to, so I know, I know the lead guys in this country. And so I was looking at trainings that they're actually leading. They wanted me to come to give some feedback and some encouragement. And here's one of the things I saw. So if you're familiar with 2 Timothy 2, 2, a lot of people quote that. But it's Paul writing to Timothy, and he says to Timothy, so picture Paul. It's just like three generations. Here's Paul saying, Timothy, what you heard from me, you pass on to faithful men who will give it to others also. I felt like I was watching that. Because, you know, there's a, there's a word partners team in America. They train these guys right here, and I'm in their places. I'm watching guys they had trained train others. It was awesome. And my, the last place I was at, it was a room, there's 28 of them in the room. Uh, I would guess half the group was in their 20s. The other half was, was probably 15, 20 years older. And so that was kind of what they, their leadership team were like elders, not paid pastors who were doing the training, but the hunger in that room was just, it was incredible. So I gave a little feedback different times and we, we connected and it was, it was beautiful. They had me do some things I didn't know I'd do. And uh, the Lord just brought some words at times, encouragement in moments, um, just kind of those shepherding conversations. And I'll, I'll tell you two things God did. So these are all Muslim countries that were once under the, uh, the orb of, of, of Russia. Actually, before communism, really in Tsarist days. It's been many years. So Russian is spoken. Each of these countries has national languages also. Am I cutting in and out? Is that me? It's green light, and I'm not pinching this. Just keep going? Okay. Um, oh, so what we want to do is get it in the national languages also. That's the heart language, the mother tongue. And for some reason, this one country that I'm in, it, it's been hard to get those going. But it's just because I think sometimes, this is true with all of us, when we're with somebody, our presence brings encouragement. That's what we stay, say, stay and linger for a little bit after church. It's just a good thing. You don't, so 
just being there brought some encouragement. And, and so we have a, a new language, a, a, a national language group starting in October. And it just came because we are there. I was with some guys in training. He goes, we, we got to do this now. And it's what we've been praying for for years. Also, three of the lead guys that I was with um, were praying about a new country that we've not been in. Again, Muslim governments. We've had an invitation. We haven't had the finances. Just been praying about it. And they said, actually, it's two guys. Said, we're ready to go. Want to go. So I'm having dinner with them. And I said, who do you want to bring? He goes, I can bring somebody. So he's bringing his disciple. And the guy that was in this, their training, who's really good. And it, anyway, just to see their eyes open up with it. So here's what I want you to get. <clears throat> um, and I think this is a shift in missions in some ways. As Westerners, there's things we can bring, but I think nationals can take it further than we can. And so when we can build into them, do what they want us to do, what's our part? You know, we're not the big deal, but what's our part in coming alongside them? It's really true in everything we do in life. What's, Lord, what's my part of this? And we, you don't have to try to do much, but listen to him and follow what he says. So just kind of watching it move exponentially. It was incredible. Uh, Cindy did a, I don't know, how many of you... She, I don't know who she sent these to. Can I ask? Who got an email from her giving updates? I don't know how she picked. I think she just did it. So, but I'm just talking to her on the phone every once in a while, and she sent them off, and it was, it was really good reporting, so thank you. That was helpful. All right, enough of report. We are in Matthew 15. <clears throat> good. All right, um, Michelle Height is going to come and read that in a moment. You can sit in the front row if you'd like. Did you, did you get, they give you a microphone? Let's get the portable mic to her. Okay, so let me, let's, let's give some background before Michelle comes and reads. We're going to read verses 1 through 20, and you can go ahead and put the title up, Evie, that's fine. Um, so here's the story so far, where we are at, the, at this point. Uh, John the Baptist has died, and when he died, Jesus, it says, he was kind of withdrawing to a lonely place, you remember this at the beginning of 14? And he wants to withdraw. The crowds want run around the show. Oh, to do so, he has to get in a boat. He has to physically get in a boat to get away from people. It doesn't say whether he's an introvert or extrovert, but you see him pulling out a lot of times. And so he's trying, and he goes across the Sea of Galilee, and the people run around, and they, when he lands, they're, meeting, they're right there. And so as he's right there, he has this whole exchange with the disciples. The disciples see the problem. You know, they go like, Jesus, like, there's no food. It's getting dark. Send him away. That's their solution. Remember this? And that's not Jesus' solution. And we thought about how many times do I have a solution that's not his solution. We do this all the time. And Jesus says, don't send him away. You give him something to eat. And then they go like, we got five loaves, two fish. What do you do with that? And then remember what Jesus says? Bring it to me. Jesus is continually calling us to himself. So he brings it. He prays. They know it's God doing this. He gives it to the disciples. They walk through. Every eyeball, they look. He, he empowers the disciples to go and be involved in ministry when they wanted to send them away. Think how that goes to us. So he feeds them all. They're not only satisfied, it says they pick up 12 baskets full of leftovers. That means the disciples are walking through again, seeing the provision. After that, um, Jesus dismisses the crowds. Disciples going across the boat. There's a storm. 
And that's where the guy, he's walking across the water. Disciples think it's a ghost. And Peter's right there. Lord, if that's you, call me. He says, come, come. Jesus, here it is, come. Peter's out there. He comes. Jesus grabs him. He's doing these miracles along the way. He's showing who he is. And then when he lands, there's the people. And once again, it says he's, he's healing all the people there. So continually, Matthew, we see Jesus landing these summary statements of the people that he hears. Now, where he does this, it's in the north region of Galilee. So as this happens, his popularity is increasing, and the reactions are varying. And what happens in our text today, um, the local Pharisees have already declared that Jesus is doing these miracles by the power of Beelzebul, by the power of Satan. So what's happened as uh, his fame increases, there's a contingent of both Pharisees and scribes, those who know the law, coming from Jerusalem. That's the worship center, religious center. It's, it's a three days journey for them to get there. They come to check him out. And basically what you're going to hear as Michelle reads this, it's, it's an interview with him where they're making some accusations on this. So the story is going to move in two parts. We're going to first see this confrontation with the Pharisees. Notice how Jesus responds. And after that, Jesus calls the people to him. He wants to explain some things to him. And you're going to hear some very interesting things. So this is the way I summarized this in terms of a main idea. I called it the authority of God's word and his work in our hearts. And you'll see this. In the first confrontation, you're going to hear a challenge about God's word versus traditions. And we'll talk about that. The second part, Jesus is talking about the heart is the place where I work. The heart is what, that, that's the centerpiece. And we'll talk about what that is. So the question we, we ask then is, do I submit my heart to the authority of Jesus' word? And do I invite his work into me? So let me just pause for a second. That's what the, te the text is about, the authority of his word and the place of his work. But we want to ask that in terms of ourselves, right? It's no good coming to church and just hearing, oh, I understand that passage better. We, we want God's word to work in us. And so for each of us, that's the part. As you're listening to the word read or listening to the preached word, there's this possibility for us to pay attention to the Holy Spirit and then how we respond to that. It's always, always true for us. Okay. So with that, would you stand with me as we give our attention to the reading of God's word? Um, this is Matthew 15, verses 1 through 20. Thank you, Michelle. Then Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. He answered them, And why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God commanded, Honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, if anyone tells his father or his mother, what, what you would have gained from me is given to God. He need not honor his father. So for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God. You hypocrites. Well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain they do worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. And he called the people to them and said, Hear and understand. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of their mouth, this defiles a person. Then the disciples came to him and said, Do you know what the Pharisees were offended? 
did you do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? He answered them, every plant that my heavenly father has planted will be rooted up. Let them alone. They are blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, they will fall into a pit. But Peter said to him, explain the parable to us. And he said, are you, are you also still without understanding? Do you not see what, that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart and defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. Mine. Let's pray as we stand. So, Father, we ask a couple things. One, we ask that you'd give us understanding. Lord, I ask you'd help me for clarity because I, I know I'm, I'm challenged with being clear today. But mostly what we ask, Lord, is that we would hear you. Each one of us, you know every single person here. You know what's going on during our week. You know what we've been thinking about in the last minutes. So, Lord, I pray that you would help us not only hear you and what you intend for us, but you would give us the courage to respond to you as would be good. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. All right, there's a lot here. I'm going to try to give explanation. There's a couple places where there's some background to understand that would be helpful in us. So I'll give that also, uh, helpful us to understand the whole text here. Um, so let me just say this in the beginning. When he speaks of the heart, somebody, what, what, what's the heart? What do you mean? You know, I had bypass surgery. What? So the heart is the, the place where it, it's a place of our desires, place of our ambitions, our goals. It's the thinking center, the being center of our, so when you use that language, that's, that's what's going on there. So we see in this first section, it's a confrontation with the, with the Pharisees. And you have this aspect of a challenge in this text of a person who is compliant, what I used to call technical obedience, versus heart obedience. You know the difference? So you, you know the story of the old, this old story of the four-year-old boy who is a little precocious and, you know, he's told to sit down, he's pretty active, told to sit down, told to sit down, and told to sit down. And finally, when he sits down, he says, I'm sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. That's compliant, maybe forcibly compliant, but this is really getting at heart obedience. What's the difference in that? So this first section, I think, really hones in on the authority of God's word over everything. Let's look at verses one and two again. Here's the, the question that the Pharisees ask. Why do your disciples break the traditions of the elders? For they don't wash their hands when they eat. Okay, that may, may be weird to us, but this is clearly not about hygiene. That's what that's talking about. So there was, this is about ceremonial uncleanness, which is in ancient cultures, I mean, in Muslim culture, they still do a, a washing of hands and even feet in terms of uh, ceremonial cleanliness. So let me give you the background of this tradition. Notice as Jesus talks about it, he talks about it as a tradition. So how important was it? So this goes way back, hundreds of years, back when uh, Israel had been in captivity. And so as a nation, what they understood from the prophets was they were in captivity, originally by Babylon, 
because of their rebellion against God. The prophets were warning them, you've turned away, you're worshiping idols, you don't, you don't know the scripture at all, you don't care about the scripture, you're following other gods, and if you don't turn back as a means of discipline, you will be in captivity. That's what took place. So they're in captivity. Now, if you remember the story of Daniel, that's what's going on. I mean, it, that's the captivity period. So God has a remnant all the time when things go bad. Remember that as you go through your days, <laughs> as it looks bad. He's always got a remnant. So here's, here's the likes of Daniel and so forth. Well, during the time of Nehemiah and Ezra, they were used by God. I think Cyrus was the king who gave them permission, the captives, the exiles, to return to Jerusalem to rebuild the wall, and the temple was rebuilt. And in so doing that, after they've been away for decades and decades, they discover the Scriptures, the Law of Moses again, which they'd been, they, they didn't know it. it. It's 70 years, I think, from the beginning to that. I mean, it was a long time. They didn't know it. So think of generations. Now as it's discovered, they're reading it, and so as they did, there was kind of a national repentance of those who were back there and reform. And so one of the things they read was these cleansing laws, which were originally written not for all the people. It was for those in the tabernacle or the temple, the Levites and the priests, what they did before they presented sacrifice to God. So hundreds of years later, over time, the elders adopted these for all people. Like, if we want to be religious, let's be really religious. It's not just for these, it's for all. So this was a tradition. So there's a number of traditions that, uh, where's Sammy? She in the back. Sammy was bringing up one from this text later, uh, from that class, that I think some of the, the kosher eating laws come in, in in some of that also. So now they have them collected, and during Jesus' day, so this, this collection was called the Mishnah, these extra laws, these traditions. They were taught in the local synagogues, right alongside the Word of God as equal to or greater authority. Once again, we have Bibles sitting in front of us, either on our phones or in our hands. They don't. They don't have Scripture like that. They get what's taught in the synagogue. So when you grow up and you hear this taught all the time as equal or greater authority, this is important to you. That's what you think is what true religion is. And that's what Jesus is critiquing here. Those kinds of laws. So that's, that's what it comes from. So notice Jesus' response. <clears throat> you don't want to get in an argument with Jesus, Ever. So as he says this, this is like a verbal chess match. It's just very interesting. So their question is, why do your disciples break their traditions of the elders? Because they don't wash their hands before they eat. Jesus never responds to a person's question like they want. He's not giving them an explanation for that. He, he could have done that. He could have described what I just did. That's not what he does. He's going to answer their question with his own question. Does he do that all the time? And, and when he does that, it's getting to the heart of the problem. And that's what Jesus always cares about, getting to the heart of the problem. We tend to deal with peripheral stuff. He goes to the heart of it. And his question actually is confronting the Pharisees' hypocrisy. So look how he turns the tables. They go, hey, why are your disciples breaking the traditions of the elders? And he goes, why do you break the commandments of God for the sake of your traditions? 
He's pointing out what is the greater authority. You're ignoring the greater authority. You're doing something worse. Well, how did they do that? Next verses, verses 4 to 6. I don't think I have these ones. Here's what he says. For God commanded, honor your father and mother. Where's that? That's one of the Ten Commandments, right? I think it's number five. So that's from Exodus 20. God commanded, honor your father and mother. And in Exodus 21, whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. That's what God said. But you say, if anyone tells his father or mother, what you have gained from me is already given to God. He need, he need not honor his father. So for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God. All right, let me explain the tradition because that might have been confusing. But even in the English reading, you can tell there's something going on. But Jesus points out, here's the command, and you've put that command aside because you've got this tradition over here. So um, I, I think I heard you talked about this in, in the class, Mike, and I think Luke uses actually the word korban. Mark does, okay. So what, what they would do, um, this, was, this was their tradition, you could, if you had a pool of money, you could dedicate it to the temple. It was dedicated to the temple and would be given to the temple upon your death. Kind of like a will, that we would say. But, it was, but while it was dedicated there, you could still use some along the way while you're still alive. So here's what's happening. Again, think of the parents. This is, this is ancient times. There's no social security. There's no pension. There's no means that way. People had kids because their kids were an asset. As you got older, your kids would take care of you. What happens when your health declines? And of course, people aren't living as long, but that's how that was done. So what Jesus is confronting is, here's the guy who's got money to help his parents as he should, and the scripture says, honor your father and mother, and if you revile them, you're, you're guilty. They said, oh, sorry, I wish I could help you, but I dedicated that money to the temple. Sorry. And they can still use it. You get the hypocrisy? Why do your disciples break their traditions of the elders? They don't wash their hands before the meal. And Jesus goes right and nails them. How do you set aside the authority of God's word for the sake of your traditions? He's confronting something in their heart that's evil, that they wouldn't care about their parents. They're doing something here that looks, it's still going, I'm just going to keep talking, okay, that looks and sounds religious because it's dedicated to the temple, and they could, still, they could still borrow from it or use that money. It's hypocrisy. So then he says in verses 7 and 9, at this point, Jesus is not mincing words. It's not simply an inconsistency. Say, you hypocrites. Isaiah was exactly right when he wrote this. So I'm, I'm, we're going to put it up here. It's like four things he says. This people honors me with your lips but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Hey, Evie, what, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to the next thing a little bit, but when I come back and go through, I didn't give it to you. Go ahead and put these up again just so we can see them, okay? If that makes sense. So that's what Isaiah said. It was true in Isaiah's day. Jesus saying it's just as true now. Hang on, that's 700 years difference. True in Isaiah's day. Just as true now, I, I think I have to do this all the time when I come to scriptures. It's really easy to be like, man, those guys are 
Big ninnies, not the word I was thinking of. Those guys can't believe those guys. But why would I think that there's not any of that in me either? So it's always good when we come to the scripture, say, Lord, search me too, because I don't know me. I, so again, I think these are religious people. They're not setting out to be hypocrites. They got these traditions, but they don't even get how far off they've gone. Do you think that we're immune from that? I, I think I probably got some blind spots too. So let's consider these phrase by phrase and just, Lord, help me see me, okay? So here's what I'd say. It's possible to be a good rule follower, but be far from God. That's one thing you see here. Because the outside looks really good. But Jesus isn't talking about the outside. He's talking about the inside. And that's going to get more pronounced in the next section when he calls the people up. And I know... <clears throat> it's not like outside doesn't matter at all, but it's just not what Jesus cares about. Let me say it like that. He really cares about what's inside, the inside of the cup, not the outside. And if you're washing the outside all the time, and I would just say in religious circles, that's common. But it's true everywhere. We want to put our best, that's Facebook, right? Or whatever you do. We want to put our best face forward. Who wants to show your dirt? but we project this all the time and are not aware of what's going on inside. And that's the place where he wants to change us. That's good. Lord, I need you every hour, all the time. And he loves doing that. So we're going to end that way. But here he's talking about that outside. All right. So here's his, here's Isaiah. These are four critiques, and I just think it's good to reflect on our lives. So first one is, this people honors me with their lips. That's what he says. That is, the lips speak like they're godly. They know how to say the right things about Jesus or whatever, but they're not. Secondly, he says, but their hearts are far from me. So let me just ask this. How would you measure your heart towards God? Seriously, how would you, how would you measure that? Maybe it's good to ask ourselves, do I love the things that God loves? I mean, truly. Do I love what he loves? Am I, am I drawn to his word? I'm not saying do you read your Bible every day. Here I'm saying it. Am I drawn to his word? I, I want to learn it. I do. I want to learn his ways. I'm going to learn what it means to walk with him. I want to learn it. We all got inconsistencies. But is that, is that there? Do I hate the things that God hates? I mean, he says, he talks about things. Or am I pretty comfortable with them? I just kind of, maybe I explain them away. Do they make me sad? Do I love what I love, what he loves? Do I hate what he hates? I think it's a pretty good searching questions to ask, have the Lord ask us and ask him. They, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Thirdly, in vain do they worship me. That seems kind of weird. In vain do they worship me. In other words, their worship of me isn't really worship of me. It's something else. So I think for us, it's a, it's a good challenge because, okay, coming to church is a good thing. But is church just a habit or do I want to worship Jesus? Okay, so should I stop doing something that's like a good habit? Not what, what I think Jesus is provoking is something about what should be taking place as we gather here, okay? Once again, we're all in different places, so there's no condemnation. There's no condemnation here, but 
we ought to think the deeper thought, why is it that I'm here? Is it God who I want to hear? Or am I more aware of other people when I'm here? Or when the service gets out or how the service went, you know, all those things. Okay, we all struggle with that. There's no condemnation. I'm just trying to think through this. He says, in vain do they worship me. We can be distracted by so many things. So is it, is it God that I desire to commune with when I'm here? Or is there something else going on? Okay, once again, I know everybody's got challenging factors. Just getting here, all the stuff that's gone on. We're, we're all like that. He, he knows that. But there's a reason why we gather. What I'm trying to do is provoke us in terms of the intentionality of that. Um, what, where's the song? To my heart to sing thy grace. Does that come thou fount? Okay, so from, <clears throat> it, says, it says, incline my heart, or tune my heart to sing thy grace. So we, we, need, we need to tune in. We need God's help to do that. I think in the gathering, we need to do that. So that's why I passed out that one piece of paper, whatever it says there. Just read it when you go home. But I, I did this some years ago. I just thought, what are things that help us prepare for this gathering? You're already taking the time to be here. That's good. So some of these are like how to prepare Saturday night, which ancient cultures used to do that all the time. You know, getting enough sleep, reading the passage ahead of time, or reading this. What prepares my heart? Um, when, I, when we're here, how to participate in that. So I, once again, I think the 10 o'clock class is a great way to prepare your hearts. And the people that go there, they just talk about the study. High school kids get there. Sage, were you there today? Were you in there? This day? No, probably getting breakfast because you're here practicing. Okay. Some, oh, he was still? Yeah? <laughs> Sabbath for rest. Glad you got it for you. So a lot of times Sage will be there, Zion will be there, Acacia, and they're reading the scriptures out loud. But it's, it's all of us together studying ahead of time. Um, then I put participate in the service. So follow. Someone's praying out loud. I, someone can be praying out loud, and I can be poof, off in space. I mean, just anywhere. But to agree in prayer, I just so I'm just like, tune in. Whatever's being prayed, does my heart want to pray that? Or how about singing? Doesn't we all got different preferences, different styles we like? Doesn't matter if this particular song is the right rhythm or what I like. So what I so this is what I do all the time. I do it whether I like the music or not like the music. I want to think about the words. I don't want to just sing words. I just want to repeat words. I want to think about them. And sometimes when I think about them, well, we just said or sang is too good to be true. I'm like, it's my hand goes up. And sometimes I close my eyes because you're distracting. No. Sometimes, okay. Some of us are like, it's okay to close your eyes. And it's true when you're around other people, it can be distracting. If that's you, it's okay to close your eyes. So I just say, you have permission to engage in this, whatever's good for you, uh, within reason. <laughs> but I mean, if it means kneel, you can kneel. These, these, these chairs actually move. So just in the service, I'm just, let's engage and not, not go on robot. I got some things after the service, talk with others, listening, praying together, because this is the body of Christ. Maybe there's someone, you go, hey, let's go out to lunch. Or maybe you prepare lunch, or maybe prepare potato chips, or I mean, it's afterwards you just are together, and you it's, it can be simple meals can be great. Getting to know one can be, and then praying for each other. 
I was talking to two people in the other service this morning. It was interesting. They're connected, and they both got cancer. They're going through treatment right now. And just to watch the conversation, there was a fellowship between them, the way one prays for another because they're going through different kind of cancer, but they're going through the same thing. That's part of what the body of Christ is. So I, I'm just trying to, oh, I think I got to take a nap in the afternoon. That's, I mean, this is rest. It's okay. It's to be enjoyed. The day's to be enjoyed. So I just put a few things on there for later. But I, the idea is we, we want to connect with the Lord as much as we can when we're here. There's lots of ways to do that. So, okay. Final one is, he, he says, you've made your traditions equal to my commands. Teaching as doctrines the commandments of man. Basically, he's calling them out because you've made them equal. So, here's my question. <clears throat> okay, do I get traditions that I make equal to Scripture? Ah, I don't know. So I started thinking about it like this. How do we make decisions about what is necessary? And no matter what's going on, I think what we want to do is where's the scriptures explicit? It's very clear on something. So I want to be clear where it's clear. Where does it allow for wisdom in something? But I want to, I want to think through things really through that lens. That's God's word to us. Is that simply tradition or is it simply preference? So once again, singing is one of those things. We all got preferences. But what I want to do with that is submit my preference. Believe me, the, the countries I've just in, they don't necessarily worship the way that I connect with, but there's something else going on. And I would say the truth of God's word and the unity of the body of Christ are much bigger things than my preferences, right? True? That's true. Let me say it this way. Not in my notes. That's scary when I'm jet lagged and who knows what I'm going to say now. <clears throat> I'm going to, so, oh, say the truth of God's word. So here's not, it's not a tradition. Right now, politics, is the, it's just a mega deal in people's conversations all the time. And I just want to say to you, it's not primary. It is not primary. It is not primary. We live in a country where you can vote. You should vote your conscience. But we should never put that above God's word. And that is in danger in the church in a lot of places. Okay, it just is. So here's the other thing is, wouldn't you think you would actually be normal? This might rattle some of you. Not in my notes, so I'll plead anything. <laughs> wouldn't it be normal in God's economy? Jesus what matters, but wouldn't it be normal in a family that should be diverse that people might vote differently? Now, that's hard for some people because they think the party that I'm part, we can argue why this is the party God's in favor of. We, we, we make that argument. I'm just saying in this, I would put that in the, in the tradition category. We should submit that to God's word. We should never place that higher than God's word. And in our society, that is in great danger right now. And if you wonder about the spiritual decadence, not of our society, but of the church, man, we're stepping on the wrong foundation. I, I, think, I think that's where we're in danger, if you want to talk about traditions. I'm not saying you shouldn't consider things and vote in conscience as much as consistent with Scripture as you can. But it is not above God's Word. And I'll tell you this, the love of the brethren... Is, is a command. It's a command for people who have different convictions than you. And we can go right to the scriptures about that. That is a command. And the unity of Christ 
If it's not gospel compromising, there's some freedom along the way. Another subject you can ask. You put that in your Connect card, and I'll send that to Mike. (laughs) But I think you hear me. Okay, so again, main idea of this passage, the authority of God's word and his work on our hearts. And the question is this, do I submit my heart to the authority of Jesus' word, and do I invite his work of change in me? So that last part, do I invite his work of change in me? That's the next verses. So it's super cool what Jesus does after he confronts the Pharisees and who knows what they do. Now he's calling the people in to himself. He wants to bring some explanation, some clarity to this. And this is really, I think, the heart of the matter. He's clarifying the truth. They've been trapped in a system. That's all they know. That's what they hear in their synagogues. And Jesus wants them to hear clearly about true worship, true religion. Here's the question he's answering. What makes a person unclean? We might say something, what makes a person spiritual or unspiritual? But he's going, what makes them unclean? And what he clarifies here is, it's not what you put in your mouth. It's not unkosher food. It's not that. It's what comes out of your mouth. That is, what you say comes from somewhere. Anger, unkind word, or whatever. So verses 12 to 14 is kind of funny. You know, disciples go like, hey, did you know that the Pharisees got, got offended? You know, Jesus doesn't seem to care about that. Have you noticed that? And he basically says, whatever the Father hasn't planted, it's, not, it's going to come uprooted. It's not, it's not what, what, what the Father did. I don't really care. And he says, blind guides lead blind people. That's what it is. So if you want to talk about cults or whatever, I mean, God brings people out of that stuff, but blind guides lead blind people. And then we get to Peter's question. I love, we love Peter, don't we? Peter's asking the question we all want to ask. He's got the courage to do so, so he's, he's asking it. Jesus, can you explain that one to us? That whole thing with the mouth. And I, can, you, can you like, and he basically says this. You eat food, it gets eliminated from your, from your body. That's how God made the anatomy. Input, output. Change the diaper, you know. I'm sorry, we had little kids around us. That's all I'm thinking about this since I got home. He said, that's how it works. That's not what makes you unclean. It's what comes out of your mouth. It came from your heart. It was already there. So let me read 18 to 20 again. But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. This defiles a person. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander, these are what defile a person, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. So listen, murder took place in the heart before it took place in action. Sexual sin took place in the heart before it took place in action. Slander of a person came from how you think about them before you spoke it with your mouth. The unkind word, oops, where'd that come from? It's here, you felt it in your heart first. So maybe you're a really good rule keeper and you'd never say that out loud. Let's say you kept that back, but you thought it. It's in your heart. The Pharisees can be silent in their pride. But friends, it's possible to be a good rule keeper, but still be far from God. And we don't want to do that, right? We don't want to do that. So, 
The place of true change is the heart. That's where it is. So I'm not going to do this again. I think the last time I did it, I called Luke up here. The cup-shaking analogy. So how many of you know the cup-shaking analogy? We've used it a thousand times in my life. How many do not know the cup sh- I will not call it. How many do not know the cup-shaking analogy? It's okay to be honest. Only three people? Yes. Okay. I, I got you, Carol. You're good. Thank you for voting for real. Okay. Joan, do you know the cup-shaking analogy? Did you raise your hand? Oh, you did. Did you raise your hand like this high? I never saw it. Okay. So how many are in Jones Club and you didn't raise your hand very high? Because there weren't many of you saying, thank you. Thank you. Okay. So it's simply like this. It it makes this principle make sense to me. So I usually do it calling someone up and they're holding a cup. And um, while they're holding it, occasionally, I think I told Luke it was coming. Maybe I didn't. No, I think I ask him, do you trust me? That's a tough question when the pastor asks you in front of people. <laughs> so he's holding this cup. It's filled with something. And as he holds it, it was water, by the way, I shake the cup vigorously, and he gets water on him. Occasionally I get it on me too, but the point is they get water on them, and I'm the guy shaking it. That's the point. So you look at it. I usually pick friends when I do this, by the way, or people that will unwisely say they trust me, one of the two. And you look at it and go, hey, why is there water on, on Luke? And the, the answer you think is like, man, because you shook that cup on him. And what Jesus is saying, no, the reason why there's water on him is because there was water in the cup. It's what's inside the cup comes out, it, indicating the heart. And here's what's, what's true. Our lives get shaken. Things happen to us all the time. Just happened to be Jeff that was shaking this one. But it gets shaken, so it's what comes out of us. And what comes out of us comes from someplace. A true story, I hate to tell you a story, it's super embarrassing. You will think poorly of your pastor. But I'm like you. I told somebody this. Who did I tell this to? Maybe we were talking today. I'm so tired. When we got done with this, I'm, oh, it's Rick. I just want to get home. I'm like, when I'm, I'm done with the training, can, can someone get that? transport thing worked. I, can, I just want to get home so bad. And I'm, uh, I'm just getting ready to go to bed because I've got, I've finished the first flight. I'm going to sleep a couple hours. And then I've got two more flights. I have to get picked up like at 3 a.m. or something. And uh, I got a taxi ordered. And I'm just, I just happened to check my email. And seven minutes before it said your first flight's canceled. There's no more flights for two days. And I'll tell you, the word that came out of my mouth is not one that will go online right here today. It was not a good word. I was like, and so it said, yo, you can get on this thing and get on a chat. I'm number 85 in line. And I get all the way down to, sorry, there's no more flights to this day or this day. You got tomorrow. I'm like, Lord. And the Lord just said, did I say this already? I feel like I said this already. I did, thank you. And he just goes like, you preach this. Trust me. And that moment, all I can tell you, maybe I was too tired. I did say this right in the beginning, didn't I? Wow, I'm tired. It's, it's, but it's, it's out of the heart. This is where it comes from. I'm like, all right. And I don't, so the Lord, I would say, rebuked me and corrected me. But in that moment, I really did trust him. I'm like, okay, maybe I was too tired to say, fight. I'm like, but I, there was, there was, what came out of my mouth, it was, I was angry. I'd say frustrated. I was, it was frustration's angered. You know that? We like calling it frustration. It, it's anger. Maybe you want to call it low love. It's anger. 
What came out was not pretty. And that was in there. You could say, oh, you're tired, poor guy. No, no, that was not good. That was not a faith. That was in that moment, not thinking how much I needed God in that moment. I'm like, there's nobody in the room, by the way. I was so happy. But that's what I need. Those things exist all the time. Okay, they just do. So I, yeah, they exist. This is where he wants to change us. So that's the point. The place of real change is inside our hearts. And this is where we need Jesus' authority to rule our lives and change us. So I'm going to take a minute and tell this one because this is more important. I've, I've said this story out loud a few different times. And I'll, I'll do it particularly in men's groups because it's important. Uh, there was a season in my life, I think it was when all the kids were home, and I was frustrated with my bride. I was frustrated with her, and I had a pretty long laundry list of my frustrations. And if I would have told the story back then, you would have thought she was a rotten person. Because you know how you can tell the story that really benefits you? And it had to do with things like, oh, the house is always a mess, or always late to things, you know. I mean, we used to set the clock 20 minutes ahead so we could get there on time. And it was like pretty much any time we left on a trip, it's just a pattern. We were going to be late. So I started lying to her, telling her we had to leave a half hour earlier, you know, and still was like that, but it was the frustration. And I was not good. And I remember when the Lord said, say, oh, if, I, if, I, if you would have heard it then, it's a long laundry list. I, where's the problem? Man, if she would just, nope, where's the problem? It's right here. Promise me, not her. Cup shaking, what's coming out? She's the same as she was when I married her. All those things are what exactly what I loved about her when I saw her. She's spontaneous. She's, she's tuned into this person right here. Time, farthest thing from her, from her mind. It's that person that's the most important. And here I am, a later season of my life, Mr. Selfish. That's all that's coming out. I'm telling you, if you would have talked to me that time, you would have thought she's a rotten person. God confronted me. I'm giving you a real-life illustration of what's in my heart. It's not pretty. And God confronted me about my self-centeredness. That's all that was. My impatience, that's all that was. And you know what I had to do? Here's what I'm illustrating. I had to repent of it. I didn't even talk to her about it then, but I do remember the road we were on. She's so kind. <clears throat> We were late for, uh, I think it was like a family reunion thing. We are late again. But because the Lord had, I would say, really confronted me um, on that, I remember in the car, uh, we had not driven a mile down the road, and she just looked at me and said, thank you. That's what makes me love you. Just listen to this. Can you imagine all the dumb things I said over time? She goes, thank you. That's what makes, why wouldn't I have done that a long time sooner? <laughs> Self, it's, it's in my, you know, we get these things, just goes on. And so honestly, she hasn't changed, and I haven't changed as far as our orientation. But from that moment of seeing that the change needs to be in me, the change is not her. She's not going to change. It's how God made her, okay? But it made us have conversations. And then my words came out, seeing the parts of her that I love, what she was like, that why she was like that. Why is she late? Because she loves people. You, the person she's talking to is the most important person in the, in the room. I didn't even see that before. All I saw is we're late again, or I'll see it, you know. But see what happened. When God, 
when God starts dealing with you inside, you can start seeing some things outside. This is the place we need to change. Anybody agree? That's what Jesus is saying. All kinds of stuff happens. This cup gets shaken when it comes out. He's saying, whatever came out, it started someplace. Now, listen to me. This is what he loves to do. That's the beauty of this. So some of you, if you're going like, I don't know that I can do this. You can't. He does it. So again, the authority of his word and the place where he wants to work. Think of all the miracles we've seen Jesus do. Heal blind eyes, make the lame walk, make the deaf hear. So one, I would never have seen that in myself if the Lord didn't help me. Because I'm a blinded, self-centered person. I'm not going to make you raise your hands or point fingers, but that's what we got in the room, okay? That's just that's how we're wired since Adam. We are. But this is what he loves to change. So Matthew's all about his kingdom coming and following the king. This is how the kingdom rules. He actually changes people like us. There's actually hope for people like us. And he loves to do it. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Think about it. It is. So in this tutoring session through the traditions of men and all this stuff, he's showing this is the place of change. This is where his word actually works. And you know what? He makes the lame walk. He can teach you and me to walk with him. So we hear his voice and respond to him right in that moment when I didn't do it right. Because listen, there's no perfectionism here. There isn't any. And you'll do it wrong. I told you the story from this, this week. It's embarrassing. Sorry. That's me. And I don't get it right all the time. But the gentle shepherd comes along. He just said, hey, you just preached this twice to these guys. I haven't changed. I'm like, oh, Lord, you're so patient. This is how he changes us. So what do I do with my stuff? Let me just say this. I don't have this written down, I don't think. First of all, just ask him, where is this in me? Just ask him. He knows you better than you know yourself, right? Psalms, before a word was on my tongue, you know it, Lord. He knows you better than you know. So ask him. Then listen to him. Now, what he shows you, then repent. What's repent mean? You got to admit you're wrong. That's hard for something. You got to admit you're wrong. And that whole deal, you know, as I described way back with Cindy, I could reason the whole thing out why my values were better than her values. I'm just telling you, I'm wrong on it. I'm self-deceived on it. And the Lord had to say, you are the problem, the place I want to work. And you got to get there. That's humbling. Repentance is humbling. But if we want true change, if we actually want to know Jesus and not just simply be religious and wash the outside of the cup, we got to ask him to do that. The beautiful thing is he loves to do it. So there's no condemnation here. Some people might be thinking of the way you've messed up, whatever. Don't, 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 don't. If you think about the place where you messed up, let me just say this. I think that's the Holy Spirit just speaking to you about it. That's all it is. Now it's your choice what you do. Because I need you all the time. I can't do that. You ask him, he will do it. It won't be an instant. I want instant fixes. It won't be. But this whole thing throughout the Gospels, that we would walk with him. We'd follow him into his kingdom. His kingdom grows inside us, his heart. That's how he gets seen in a world that's totally screwed up. That's how he gets seen. And that's worship when that happens.
Isn't he amazing? Isn't he? He just is. So I hope you receive his grace in this. We follow him as he leads us. Let's pray. Oh, Father, I don't know how you're speaking to people right now. I know this. I know that I need your rule and reign in my life, and I'm here with friends that need that too. So I pray that you would move each one of us in a way you know how to move, and uh, you would do that all the while until you return. We long for that return. So thank you for being with us here today. Thank you for the, the grace in your word. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that reminds us. Thank you for the love of Jesus, which is never-ending. There's nothing that can separate us. Thank you for this church and the body of Christ and brothers and sisters around us. Let us love one another well because you've loved us. Pray continually as you remind us and follow you with all the courage you give. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. Make sure you come back next week to hear the next message in our series.